Warning, you are about to listen to the masters of the obvious. But to be honest, they aren't masters of shit. It's just my mom and her dumbass friend. So if you like interviews, nerdy stuff, and bad puns, you're going to want to listen to this. And welcome to the first episode of The Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On today's podcast, we have an interview with Natalie Slater for you. We talk about uh, being a vegan chef, living in the Midwest, and wrestling. And then Kirsten and I discuss, you know, our unpopular opinions and nerd news. And there's a and lot our of periods. <laughs> <laughs> first. We'd like to remind all of you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. Mastersoftheobvious.com, where we have a ton of merch for sale. And if you'd like to support this pod by buying our stylish wares, well, we really appreciate you. And hey, you look really cute today. Oh, you're going to look so cute in your stylish swears. You can check that out and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. So, uh, hey, Kirsten. Hey, what? You want to tell uh, everybody who the fuck you are? Uh, Yeah. Should I start start with my um, periods or? Yeah. I think everyone wants to know what your cycle is so we can all sync up. Well, um, I'll start this off by saying that I'm a bruh girl and I have no idea when my periods are coming because I like to live my life on the edge. Same. What is with that? I mean, I'm not a bruh girl, but I mean, yeah, no, I'm not, but on the edge for sure. I mean, every single time, I think we both do this where we're like, wow, I'm being a tremendous bitch right now and I feel like shit. And then it dawns on us. (laughs) You know what? It doesn't actually dawn on me. What happens for me is, wow, I'm being a fucking miserable fuck. Oh my God, I hate my life. Holy shit, I'm the fattest fucking bitch ever. And then I start bleeding and then I'm like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Crimson Tide. Yeah. She rolls in, she rolls out. She's like my <laughs> biological father. That's not real. That's not real at all. <laughs> Your dad is a saint. How dare you? Is he? I think I want to write a fan fiction. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> not about my I'm just going to stop you, you know, there. You know, there's other fan fictions that aren't sexy. There's ones about how my dad's terrible when in reality he's not. Oh, cute. Yeah, let's just talk about who the fuck we are why people should listen to us or why, or just give them a warning why they shouldn't listen to us. Cause we're not really who we present ourselves. As. Yeah. We're not authorities on anything at all. Um, I have no business <sighs> talking to anyone at any time and no one <laughs> should listen to me. <laughs> if anyone should be eternally muted, it's you. It's me. Yet I always find a platform to shout mm. on and mm you know, no one's stopping me. I mean, who could stop, stop you from self-producing a podcast, but you know, no one can stop you. I, no, I mean, I could stop you. I could stop you like a tampon on your not expected period. <laughs> just plug that shit right up. I just want to say how much I love the fact that we're like 
oh, hey, um, we're going to do some nerdy uh, shit, guys. You want to listen to us talk about our periods? (laughs) 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 Let's alienate these guys right off the bat. Period, period, blood, blood, blood. I mean, I I highly, I feel like we were going to alienate men off the bat anyway. So let's start off strong. Let's just start out taking out the trash, right? Aim right for the genitals. (laughs) We got this. We'll go show them what a period's like. <laughs> bleed from their genitals. Oh, I love it. I mean, well, we, okay, so we know each other clearly. We're in a podcast together. Yeah. Um, how long? How long was that? It's, it's, it's a know. true test. Does anybody care though? No. I mean, I care. Um, I want to know how much you care about us. I believe it has been six years. Six magical years. So we know each other. We've known each other for six years. Yeah. We I, were, don't, I don't understand how that's important, though. Oh, my God. They were roommates. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> that's the only fucking reason why. You just wanted to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime I could make a, a Vine reference, I'm going to Now I know. It. Now I fucking know. The whole reason you're like, we have to introduce ourselves to the audience is just so you could say, oh, my God. They're roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Two girls in a hot tub. Five feet away because they're not gay. Well, well, that's only to your specifications. I am very gay. Um, but yeah, so you're a makeup artist. Smooth <laughs> <laughs> transition. Yes, I'm a makeup artist. What the fuck does that have to do with having a podcast? What kind of makeup artist are I'm you? I'm the fucking pro kind, okay? Like I do movies and television and fashion week and I'm the shit. That's it. But it doesn't. it's, it's not applicable to this podcast. It is so applicable. Applicable or applicable? Uh, the fucking ladies' choice. <laughs> ladies' choice. <laughs> um, and you know, I I'm here as well. I you know, I don't even know what you would call my career. It's you just are been, a I um, think I'll, a mom entrepreneur. A mom tra- Wow. Yeah. I hate yeah. You. Yeah. Yeah. You're a momager. How you like that? Live, laugh, love. I'm gonna live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess I did that. I had some kids, started a business. Um, and now I'm starting a podcast. And I Why? feel like all the things, you know, my whole life, I, you know, didn't do anything. I had like an eighth grade education. So I feel like so I am very yeah. qualified. So qualified. For a podcast for dumbasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? First rule of podcasting, don't insult the audience. <laughs> don't ins- No, I mean, we're oh, dumbasses. Okay. There's no audience. No one's listening Aww. to this. <laughs> Cynthia, you know what time it is. What? It's nerd news. Fuck yeah. Nerd Lay it news. on me. Lay that nerd news oh, on me. I'm gonna get Ooh, nerd news. I'm going to get a butter knife full of this news and spread it on you. No. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I think it's good to point out, since mm-hmm. I we're, I want to discuss this later, that Umbrella Academy debuted on the 31st of last month. It did. And what did you think of it? What did I think of it? Seriously? That thing's fucking genius. I fucking love Umbrella Academy. It's so good. You know, and people were mad about uh, how Klaus was portrayed. They think that, that Klaus was done dirty in it. Wait, I don't what? see that at all. How? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, if anything, it kind of pointed out how selfish he's been, especially, like, in relation to Ben. Yeah. How is he done dirty? 
He is very self-centered. I don't think anyone thought anything anything else of him in the yeah. first season. I mean, he said it himself. He's fucking sexy trash. He totally is sexy trash. Yeah. I mean, that, that trash has been out. The raccoons got into it. I don't know why it's a surprise to anybody. Yeah. I mean, no disrespect to that trash. It's sexy as hell. Uh, also, we're going to talk about Watchmen later, but with Natalie. Yeah. And that show got 26 Emmy nominations, which is the highest out of all of them. I love that. I also love that, um, didn't Taika get nominated for, uh, like, a best acting with, like, just voice? Like, for his robot in, um, Mandalorian? You know, Probably. And I, I was more that. concerned with with Watchmen. I do love uh, the Star War, but <laughs> I I don't indulge in that as much as you do. Yeah. Speaking of Taika, um, Thor: Love and Thunder started filming. Uh, well, will start filming in 2021. Yes, and I'm- I I'm so stoked. I love Taika. I love. Um, his Thor movie again, probably an unpopular opinion. Don't go oh, so good. No, it's not unpopular at all. I feel like people really liked it. It's fucking phenomenal, and I just love him. Like I just want to, I just want to hug him. He's really <laughs> hot. Yeah, he's great, and he's fucking Polynesian too, right? Totally hot. Silver, silver fox. Mm. <laughs> and um, I don't know if you could hear that little nibbling noise. <laughs> I like um, he's so cute, but. I just, I love him. I love that he's doing another Thor movie. What I am concerned about is being in the industry. Whenever anyone talks about or is filming again, I get anxiety. Like, I don't know how the hell they're doing it. They're not filming right now. I misspoke. They're starting filming next year. No, I get it. But even that feels too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Everything seems too soon. Like, I'm like, that's a especially for a production of that magnitude, like, wow. I can't even imagine how huge the crew is on Marvel movies. It's enormous. Like, I've been on huge blockbuster movies. You, the amount of people and then people's people and then people's people's people, like, there's so many cogs. Generations of people. (laughs) (laughs) Just being born on set. Um, Abraham. Um, I pulled a quote. From about from Taika, uh, he said that the movie is insane and it's yeah. also very romantic. I'm very into romances now. I love that for him. So I love tasty. him. I do. I love, I love him, him too. And you know what really? You know what's happening to me now is that when I love somebody, I'm worried for them. <laughs> <laughs> You're. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That can be taken a lot of different I know. Ways. Are you ready for what I mean? I, I I feel like I know, but I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Holy shit. I'm fucking worried that they're going to fuck up somehow. Like, I'm just like, no, no, Taika, never. Never, Taika, no. no. Right. Were you just concerned for Keanu Reeves recently for the same yes. reason? Yes. <laughs> Somebody posted that meme. I hate this meme when it comes around. Like, Keanu Reeves has been accused of being a very nice man. Like, I'm just, every time I read the first half of that, I'm like, no! <laughs> <laughs> and you've seen it how many times and you still every like, fucking time i'm like this is the time this is the time when someone calls out keanu reeves i don't even give that much of a fuck about keanu reeves but i'm very concerned about him not being a nice man <laughs> i'm very concerned with how he looks in the new bill and ted movie why does he look like he's pumped full of so much filler 
I can't. He, or just like a really bad Facetune filter. You know, like he's like wearing the world's worst wig or something. I can't quite understand why he looks so weird or what the fuck. Oh, is it's going his on. hair. I thought it was his face. But I'm maybe not I just... sure. Like I'm like keep looking at the picture and going, is it the hair? Is it the face? Is it the hair? Is it? The I face? haven't. Well, we haven't seen his face for a while. He's been rocking a beard for a while. And I feel like beards are. I, I've heard someone say this before that they are the contour for men. You know what? I like that. That's true. That's totally true. I'm not wrong. You're um, not wrong. My husband without a without facial hair would look like just a round blob. Oh, I I am not a fan of Stephen without facial hair. I'm like, get it back on. No. <laughs> Speaking of Marvel movies, uh, we are going to get Black Widow November 6th. It's been moved. I don't even know how many times now. Originally, I think it was supposed to come out in April. Yeah. Are you excited about the movie? I know how you feel about Black Widow's portrayal in the in the Marvel films. First of all, what a fall from grace that Joss Whedon had. <laughs> I know you ignore a lot of the Joss Whedon news, right? I do. I feel like maybe it's time for me to face the music here. Um, but I, I have completely shut it out because Buffy is such a huge part of my formative years. I I mean, I think that's one of the first things that we bonded over was Buffy. Yeah. The mutual love of Buffy. Mm-hmm. And in spite of that, I did keep, you know, up on all of his fun misgivings. And But one of my personal, like, creative conflicts with him, not even his personal garbage, but, like, creatively, I don't like how he handled Black Widow at all. I think that he he made her storyline about not being able to conceive kids and then made her like the maternal figure of um, the Avengers, especially in relation to the Hulk. And she kind of felt like a naggy mom being like, clean up your socks, boys. And it just felt, it just felt gross and sexist. And so, yeah, I wasn't really stoked and I'm not super stoked on Scarlett Johansson either. So I wasn't really stoked on the movie until I saw my boy, David Harbour. Right. Got excited. And I really like Florence. Yes. I got it. Wait, who plays the mom? That's also somebody too, right? Shoot. You know, I think so. <laughs> you got me. You got me against the fucking ropes. I don't, I don't know that one. I'm going to look it up. But um, yeah, I would you want to talk to me about the difference between how Black Widow's portrayed in the comics versus the movie? I mean, I basically said it, like, she's definitely more independent and strong and has a more complex character than what they boiled her down to. Like, I just, it's such a stereotypical thing to be like, oh, the the, the reason for, for, for a woman, the reason for them to feel important and whatever is to bear children. Right. That seems like a low blow. That is pretty reductive. Uh, it's Rachel Weiss. Gotcha. Also, the fact that she doesn't have an accent. Well, I mean, if she's a spy, she could turn it off, right? That's how I looked at it. I'm really? very, very, very good you at really... that suspension of disbelief. Like, you I watched wrestling growing up. Like, I'll just, if, if this is, if I like the movie enough, if this is what they're giving me, that's what I'm taking. Like, and it's, if it's fun, I'll go along for the ride. But if it's garbage and it's not like clicking and it's not fun, then I'm like, nah. Fair enough. 
then I'll start to like be like, okay, this is this is bullshit. This doesn't make any sense. But if it's fun and I can go along for the ride, I don't I don't care. Even things that are close to you. People, if they don't make any sense, if they're fun, I'm into it. But that but that kind of reminds me of your reaction to Birds of Prey. That like Harley Quinn is something that was close to you, and so you had very high expectations of it and couldn't really suspend it for the movie. Well, it wasn't just that. It I don't think it was that. I think it was more so. Yeah, I. It's not that I couldn't suspend my disbelief. It was that I couldn't let go of how much I believed that that movie could have been amazing. Kind of like how the cartoon is amazing. The cartoon, though. It's amazing. It's everything I wanted the movie to be. And now that I'm watching that, I can look back on Birds of Prey and be like, okay, I can accept it for what it is and understand that this is what I really wanted it to be. But this exists. So I'm okay. I think it has more to do with how Zack Snyder handled Harley Quinn. Um, and that I think that I think that the Birds of Prey did a good job um with it, especially in comparison to Suicide Squad. And I have high hopes that um that James Gunn will do a good job handling the character of Harley Quinn in the next Suicide Squad. I don't but I'm I'm done having high hopes. Improved. It's still an improvement on the initial movie that we got, right? Oh, I mean, I mean, Suicide Squad versus Birds of Prey. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's not even comparable. It's not. It's not. I mean, the only reason, let's be real, the only reason that I watched Suicide Squad was because Harley was in it and Margot Robbie is stunning. Ugh. Just stupid, stupid good looking and her hair and makeup and costuming in that movie were great. Yeah. And the marketing, like how many of those daddy little monster shirts did they sell at Hot Topic? And they're still selling. Still selling them. Exactly. Um, But I want to, I honestly want to give Birds of Prey props because if we're going for purely entertainment, it was definitely entertaining. And it was like comparable to something like Deadpool. Like it doesn't have a lot of meat. A I lot of meat. I want to make that comparison so bad. And if I had gone that far, I would have loved it. But I think they were trying for that, and it didn't. It didn't hit the mark. Yeah, it wasn't quite. As and I don't want to shit on it. I do enjoy the movie now. I did walk out of the theater being disappointed, I'm not going to lie, but my expectations were sky high. You know, that, I mean, watching those trailers, those trailers are beautiful. The The posters are beautiful. My friend did uh, the set design for them. Um, hey, my friend did the yeah. set <laughs> Shout out to Danielle. But uh, they, uh, they're beautiful. Yeah, they beautiful. And the costuming, the hair, the makeup, it's so on point. And it's so directed right at me. I am the target audience for that. Maybe a little older, but still. Like, and, uh, but it just, it missed me. It just missed me. I, and I wish it, it felt, didn't. It felt very millennial. I don't think it was targeted at Gen X. I mean, I'm cuspy. Let's, let's not mince no, words here. I'm cuspy. I was wanted to point out, uh, last thing about Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey is the scene where she is where Roman's just 
taking a piss out of her and beating her up and she starts dissociating and it goes into that gentleman prefer blondes like yeah. mm-hmm. state i think that was like a pretty good way to portray that and and was remarkably kind of like deep for for that movie i liked I, this is okay so this is the perfect this is a perfect example of what my problem is with this movie that is a great idea i think it is brilliant and smart and funny and all those things i just think it's poorly executed I don't know that it was poorly executed or just the fact that the movie itself is disjointed but can be excused because it is being told by Harley Quinn. So it's not really supposed to make sense. I'm okay with things not making sense. Clearly, you're my fram. (laughs) (laughs) What even are you? You're a cryptid. (laughs) Who knows? But um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could talk for hours about how I, about Birds of Prey and how much I my want to like it will make me watch it over and over and over again and and perhaps you know glean onto it a little more but like that initial i'll never get over that initial disappointment like it really hit me hard also in nerd news in an interview recently ray fisher who played cyborg and justice league called joss whedon quote unquote unprofessional gross and abusive on set so it's interesting that Ray Fisher came out with um, this revelation because around the same time, James Marsters, who plays my favorite, Spike and Buffy, just revealed that um, Joss Whedon was very strange to him as well. And this is a direct quote from James Marsters. He said, I came along and I wasn't designed to be a romantic character, but then the audience reacted that way. And I remember he backed me up against a wall one day and he was just like, I don't care how popular you are, kid. You're dead. You hear me? Dead. Dead. And I was just like, "Uh, you know, it's your football, man. Okay. End quote. The fuck? And like, and part of it's like, maybe, maybe he was joking, but Mercer's went on to say that like Whedon was not kidding and never apologized for the incident. Like, dead, like, a vampire is dead? Like, it's just so confusing. Like, why would you be mad at somebody for being popular in something you wrote? Like, you would be stoked because your character is doing well. I think it's just this weird territorial beta, not beta male, but alpha male kind I'm of sorry. thing, I'm sorry, did know? this fucking doughy ginger really think that he's an alpha male? Like, I don't understand. Like, I mean, once you're in a position of power, you definitely get that way. I don't know. Well, I mean, look at fucking Louis C.K. Ginger's running amok. We need to, (laughs) we need to round up all these, these ginger men need to be rounded up. I mean, or at least like keep an eye on them. Yeah. I think that that's the lesson really here. I think what we need to take away from this is just always never take your eye off a doughy ginger. So that kind of rounds out our, our nerd news for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so we're going to list off a few of our unpopular opinions. I'll start. Hey, yeah, go for it. You want me to start with a big one? You, you just hit me with... I'm going to hit you with the most controversial one. 
Mm, but mm. both fists, baby. You ready? Yep. I think episodes seven through nine are better than one through three and possibly even four through six. Of what? Of the Star Wars. Oh, not Vampire Diaries? Are you going to school me on that? Are you going to try and dunk on I don't know what that is. I'm, I'm for sure not going to dunk on you about that. I, I never really got into that. I think but I might have. You know what? I think I'm going to dunk on you with it. I think I've worked with a few of the guys on that show. No, oh, they're cuties. All right. I'm going to hit you with mine. Okay. Gandalf is the Grandpa Joe of Lord of the Rings. Try me. What a it. What a con man. Fuck that guy. Um, I don't care that Louis C.K. was canceled. <laughs> don't care. You know what? Jason Momoa doesn't do it for me. <gasps> All of Hawaii is shocked. I hope. I hope they felt the magnitude of that. Yeah. That earthquake. It's rough. Uh, Shazam was overrated. Well. Okay. How about this one? Mayo, but especially veganaise, is better than ketchup, especially with fries. Wow. I think. <laughs> the wow really did it for me. Wow. Um, I think people hate Brie Larson because she's smarter than they are. Oh, she's certainly smarter than us. <laughs> but we don't she, also has a, she also has a beautiful voice. Uh, she just posted something on, on the Twitter, I believe. And Did she, she, she was playing this beautiful jazz master guitar and singing. And I was just like, what can't you do? You fuck. <sighs> what a dream, babe. I thought she also did. I know the song was originally do- done by the, the band Metric, but the song Black Sheep and Scott Pogram was done with her, her voice, right? I don't know. That sounds totally plausible, especially after hearing her sing with her beautiful fucking guitar that I want so bad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've heard people say that they prefer the Brie Larson version of that song over the metric one, which is some dangerous territory. Cute. Cynthia. Yeah. I'm going to hit you with one that's going to hurt some feelings. Hmm. Disneyland is not a personality trait. It's not. Oh. We know you go once a week. That's cool. But also, like, maybe learn a joke. It's a good one. It's a good one. Try you know to emphasize. That's a good one. <laughs> I have one for you that's going to hurt your whole generation. Oh, God. You ready? Uh-huh. Using highlighter on the tip of your nose doesn't do anything but make you look like Disco Rudolph. Disco Rudolph. <laughs> Wow. I, yeah. I, I just like, the, you know, the illusion that I'm covered in saran wrap. <laughs> I love that for me. Um, I got one that you're not going to disagree with, but 99.9% of people will. Mm-hmm. Hole, the band Hole, better than Nirvana. That's not controversial. Not to me. Not to you, but <laughs> that's possibly the most controversial thing that is going to be on this podcast. Um, I think that George Bush is a plant. <laughs> that's not, that's not going to be one. That's not controversial. That's just Hit me with, with another one. Do we have the mm-hmm. same amount of? Unpopular? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm just kind of I'm picking and choosing here. Um, 
I've never walked out of a 3D movie and thought, oh, fuck yeah, that was worth it. <laughs> never. 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 Although 4D movies is where it's at. I like getting punched in the back. I think I saw <laughs> Minions in 4D and they had like a fart smell too. And I was like, wow, exactly what I didn't need today. Oof. Why? The only smell vision I want is John Waters. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, here, here's a hot take for you. Okay. People bash on K-pop boy bands because they hate teenage girls and their interests, and they also hate displays of male femininity. Preach. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's my dissertation. It's good. It's good. I love coming to your TED Talks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. It's not hard to adjust to someone's pronouns. You use singular they all the time, and you're just being stubborn. Hmm. That That was a thinker. That was a thinker. Again, loving your TED Talks. Um, (laughs) I love how yours are like profound and mine are like, Ariana Grande's voice is just okay. You know who I think is stupid? Hmm. Not who, but what? Mm. <laughs> cake. Cake is stupid. Get out of here with your cake. The band? No, or the... I will not. Oh, you think that the food is stupid? Cake? Yeah. Like, are you just pissed off at every birthday party you go to? It's just not that good. Like, Why do people go, fuck you, bringing me this with my name on it? They go <laughs> crazy for cake. And I don't, like, why? Especially icing. Ugh. I don't know, man. I just don't think you've had a good cake. Sorry. Maybe I haven't had a good cake, but people seem to go bananas for all kinds of cake. Yeah, you know what? Even if it's trash cake, I fucking love it. But I was a fat kid, so, you know. All right. All right. And when did 50 Cent say that? Like, I love you like a fat kid loves cake. Is that what 50 Cent said? I'm going to stand by that. You're going to stand by that? Yeah. I'm going to stand by if you get offended by a woman saying men are trash, then you are trash. Cute. I'm going to say that Prince, on his worst day, was leaps and bounds more talented than Michael Jackson on his best day. Yowza. Well, we just got unsubscribed, too. <laughs> How about this? Mm-hmm. Karaoke. Oh, no. It's only fun oh, if you're actually good at singing and mm. you like a lot of attention because it sucks for everyone else. <sighs> Is it just, burn? I think that that was pointed at me. Was it? I no. also feel like you need to revise that because I feel like karaoke is only fun for people who think that they're good at singing and love attention. But I feel like... They're going to get their, their feelings hurt because someone's going to tell them that they're not actually good and then it's not fun for them anymore. No, it's never happened to me. <laughs> Everyone's like, yay, just, girl, just... you got the confidence of a mediocre white man. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're just bragging at this point. I, I, I no. had my feelings hurt by karaoke. I've hurt my own feelings with karaoke. But I hurt my own feelings too. No one, but, no one else can hurt my feelings. Nobody, yeah, nobody. Well, first of all, I think I don't. I don't know, man. I don't really care. So I don't have. A, I don't. It's not like I make my money with singing. So if someone was like, "Hey, that sounds like shit," I'd be like, "Oh no, I'm I'm poor now." <laughs> like you know, like I don't really care. I'm really we like. like I'm, I'm ruined. ruined. <laughs> I'm ruined. Um, I will never recover from this. <laughs> but I feel like. 
I feel like as a society, we praise only the things that you're able to capitalize on. Like having fun at something that you're not necessarily good at or good enough at to make money at isn't, isn't a bad thing. Like have fun singing bad. Who gives a shit? Oh my God. When did the Ted of Ted Talks walk in? <laughs> it's your boy, no, you're right. <laughs> I, I think it's fun to be bad at things. I think that's why karaoke, we started a podcast. Right? We're like the we're like the fucking shitty karaoke assholes of podcasting. <laughs> anyway. All right. So that was our unpopular opinions. Were they unpopular? I feel like they were just facts. I know, but you know what? It's gonna feel like that to us. I think like, you know what? They were all facts except for your shit about Momoa. So, you know. The presenting sponsor of Masters of the Obvious is us. Producing a podcast is expensive, but you can keep mediocre bitches in business. Bitches doing business. Business bitches. Mastersoftheobvious.com has all your Motopod merch needs. Anniversary coming up? Nana's birthday? Well, my Nana's dead. Need something to bury Nana in? <laughs> Maybe a shirt for little Sally to give her that extra something where her personality should be. Oh Masters my gosh, she goes to Disneyland, doesn't she? <laughs> Sally, no! Sally, don't do it! <laughs> Mastersoftheobvious.com. Buy merch. Be a hero to these needy nerds. So we have author and vegan chef Natalie Slater on the show. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is really fun. This is super exciting. I feel like we've been semi-online friends for three years or so. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure somebody sent me a link to your Instagram, like DM'd me and was like, have you seen these kids? Because clearly I'm obsessed with your kids in a really <laughs> not creepy way, you know, in, a, in the way that, you know, most people are obsessed with your kids, I think. Um, and I started following right away. I, I don't think it was very long after that, that um, maybe I left a comment or something just about like how cool they were and what a good job you were doing. And we just ended up chatting and yeah, it's been a couple yeah. of years though. Cause they were so little and now they're I just, huge. yeah. They're just bog monsters now. They smell so <laughs> terrible, but yeah, I, I'm, and I think uh, that was around the time that we were going to start a zine too. I think we hit yeah. you up for an interview and but now I kind of feel like podcasts are like the ultimate zine, right? Yeah, I I was I flounder between the two. I'm like, which one I'm the most interested in pretending like I'm going to do, <laughs> but not follow through on whatsoever. <laughs> I love that. It's kind of required now. You have to have aspirations for it, or are you even human at that point? Right. It's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like total lizard material if you have no aspirations. <laughs> But um, I kind of want to jump into to ask you if you had been reading or watching anything recently. Yeah, I I just finished watching The Watchmen. Oh. Um, and I was like, I uh, I kept having to look again at like when it was made because it just it felt like it was like you know how South Park is made like five minutes before you see it, so it's just like so timely that it blows your mind how they did that I felt that way watching the Watchmen like I was like this storyline 
is like is happening right now like this is what is happening currently it's like there's secret clansmen everywhere are they the police probably like you know and it's just like how i mean i guess that's a storyline that's been happening in the country for like 200 years so it's not that timely necessarily but yeah i was i was just like everyone should be watching this right now so that's probably the latest I think that I watched uh, that would fall under that category. I was blown away by that series. Yeah. I was way, 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 lay awake at night. Wow, I can't even get the wow. words out. Lay awake <laughs> at night and think about it when I wasn't watching it. Yeah. I so thought good. it was really great. I I wish there was more of it, but it just, but I kind of also like that there was like some closure to it and that you can go back and watch it again and think about it more. And so, so yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of been the latest. Do you have any recommendations? Because I'm, I feel like I'm going to run out of show soon. Oh God. Well, they just started the second season of Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Yes. I'm excited about that. I just started it last night and oh, so good. Yeah, I did really enjoy that. So we actually wanted to talk to you about your, uh, you know, how long you've been doing your blog and what it's been like for you, especially in the early years and, and sort of what that journey has been like. Well, when I first got started, I was treating my blog more like the kind of live journals of like the early 2000s um, yeah. because I wasn't thinking that anybody besides the people I directly told about it would ever read it. So I had a newborn baby. I worked as a baker for years before I had my son. Being at home with a new baby, watching cooking shows all day long. I just, every time he was down for a nap or he was happy like in his bouncy seat, I was cooking something new or baking something new. And then I would update this, this blog about kind of what he was doing, what it was like for me at that point and being a new mom, and then maybe what I made that day and how to make it if you want to make it too. And I, I literally was writing this for my friends and my family because, you know, when you have a new baby, you kind of like fall into a hole for a while and you don't really see people or talk to people. So like, this was my way of, of keeping in touch, like without having to be on the phone constantly. So mm-hmm. After a few weeks of that, I started getting comments and messages from people who I didn't realize were also reading it. And I I don't know how they found it. I guess Google, I don't know. But, um, you know, I would hear from like another new mom on the other side of the world who's like, this is all I've been doing too. Nap time, like I just try a new recipe and it's like cool to see somebody else doing that or like, a mom with tattoos or a vegan mom or whatever. Like there were, you know, it wasn't all moms either. It was like lots of different people, but I would, I realized that other people were reading what I was writing and what I was up to. And so I, um, I guess at that point I had to make some decisions about like what I really wanted to do with the, with the website. Like, did I want to continue to have it be, kind of this hybrid journal or did I want it to like really focus on recipes and so at that point I went really hard on recipes um I was just writing new stuff all the time that's kind of how it was 
for a good long time. Um, now I feel like it kind of almost went back again because now people are a little bit more interested in each other's lives yeah. and a little bit less like desperate to know how to make a, a vegan cake, you know, like that information is easy to find, but like being able to, you know, to know what uh, a vegan might bring with them if they're spending 10 days in Europe is like more useful or like whatever, you know, so it's, it's kind of gone back to where I started again. Um, so it's been a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always been in Chicago? Yeah, I grew up about 45 minutes south of Chicago. As soon as I was old enough to go be off on my own, I was hopping on the train and coming to Chicago. Um, it's like a 45 minute ride. So it's, and it was like $4. It was very tempting as a teenager to be here every minute that I could be here. So yeah. I, I moved to Chicago when I was 19, I think just about to turn 20 and um, thought about moving one time. I, I thought maybe I'd go to Philly for something new because I had just gone through a breakup and felt like the whole city knew my ex and I just wanted to get away. <laughs> but, um, but then I ended up meeting my husband and he's from Michigan and my, my roots are here. So we're just like, this makes sense to just stay put. I've always been here. I find that that's interesting because um, both Cynthia and I are Midwestern girls by birth anyway. Oh, oh, where are you from? Um, well, I grew up in Hawaii, but I was born in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, Kenosha. <laughs> you can take the metro there, too, from Chicago. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that area, I mean, I remember loving Chicago when I was when I was a kid. It was such the cool place to go. But it's not, I mean, from my recollection, not the most vegan-friendly of cities. At least it wasn't. It's changed a lot. I, I would say now it actually, it it probably is, like, maybe even top five. I mean, it's yeah. hard uh, I don't know how vegan friendly Hawaii is. I know California Damn. is like it, like that's mm -hmm. where you go if you're vegan. Where and where are you from in the Midwest? I just now let's. I just want to talk about the Midwest. Midwest. Can I just <laughs> can I just derail? Everything? I was born in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, that hangs off of oh, okay. uh, Wisconsin, which I feel like is a really good um, metaphor for Cynthia and I's friendship. Just this annoying nodule hanging off of Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> um oh that's beautiful Aww, I love that for you and then I I moved when I was one to Kansas City Missouri which still isn't okay. that far from Chicago I went to Chicago a lot as a kid yeah it is a nice little haven though I feel like it almost has east coast vibes in a midwest state I you know I'm partial obviously but uh it's it's funny because the first time I ever went to LA was to film the pilot episode of uh, Cupcake Wars, which I was a, a judge on and then asked to not return. <laughs> what um, happened there? It wasn't that bad. I just wasn't. I wasn't what did you right do with the cupcakes, Natalie? Um, <laughs> but that was my first time in LA. And, um, and I remember being on set and like chatting with everyone and just being like, people are so nice. Like all the nasty things people say about people in LA, just like you know being superficial or whatever it's like it's just wrong these are like this the nicest kindest people i've ever met 
And then as I started, we all started chatting. I sooner, you know, we kind of, by day three, we all started, you know, getting really deep into each other's lives. And I started finding out like, that guy's from Michigan, that guy's from Michigan. <laughs> you know, she's, she's from, you know, central Illinois. Like everybody on set was Midwestern. Like the whole crew was Midwestern. I was like, that's why I'm gravitating towards all these people. Cause they all, you know, they all drove through endless cornfields their whole lives like I did. So what was, what was the vegan scene in Chicago when you started out? So there, you know, there were a few things, but for the most part, it was, um, it was girls in the back of the venue at hardcore shows, like trading recipes or like selling zines full of vegan recipes or like volunteering at Food Not Bombs and learning how to make like a giant vat of chili and um, there wasn't even really, because this was like early 2000 there, you know, there were message boards. So you could get on like post-punk kitchen and somebody would tell you how to make a brownie or something, but it was, it was a little bit more just kind of community. Like somebody had to tell you my Mac and cheese recipe that I use to this day was given to me. My husband gave it to me and he got it from his friend, Eric that he skated with in Michigan, in Detroit. It was like Eric Z's famous vegan mac and cheese from like the mid nineties. And just everybody in Michigan had the recipe. I love it. And then I ended up with it. So that's kind of how it was. And it's like, well, when I, yeah, when I used to come here in high school and then when I first moved to Chicago, there was um, the Chicago diner, which has been around for, more than 30 years now. Um, I think 1983 is when they opened up. It's, it's a vegetarian restaurant, but it's very vegan friendly. And, um, there was soul veg on the South side, which is an all vegan soul, uh, restaurant that there's chains. So there's a couple in different parts of the country. How does, how does vegan soul food work? Um, it's like a lot of seitan and, um, like soy mac and cheese and oh, stuff like yeah. that. It's delicious. It's like some of the best food. It's really good. There's a restaurant in um, New York. I'm not sure if it's still around called Red Bamboo. And, oh yeah. Red oh, like one of my favorite restaurants, like such good food. Yeah. Red Bamboo is great. Um, Maybe that's what Doomies does then in LA. They have a, the, the mac and cheese and all that. Yeah. A lot of fried stuff. I went to, um, I've only ever been to Doomy's Tex-Mex. We went after the Natural Products Expo last year. Then we went to um, Donut Friend. So we did burritos and donuts. It was a great night. Donut Friend. So good. (laughs) Only real friends bring you Donut Friend. (laughs) That's how you know. That should be their motto. You know, that should be. (laughs) (laughs) I find it really interesting that it went through kind of uh, an evolution of it being kind of connected to like the music and like a, a subset like that that was more counter counterculture, and then evolved into what it is today, where it's so it's almost elitist in some ways. Yeah, it's um, it's I've I've uh, I've thought a lot about Chicago as a vegan city because there's uh like a this display that goes from library to library. It's the National Vegetarian Museum, which is based in Chicago. 
they're changing their name to the vegan museum. So that's really exciting. But, um, but the founder of that actually opened a vegetarian restaurant in Chicago in the seventies. And she oh, wow. thought that she'd opened Chicago's first vegetarian restaurant. When she started researching it, what she found was that there was a vegetarian restaurant in Chicago in the 1800s. Um, what? Yeah. And then the more she researched it, she found that, um, that Chicago actually had like one of the first vegetarian societies in the country. Uh, the World's Fair, the, the, the vegetarian society, like had a whole display at the World's Fair, um, which she has a really cool photo of in the museum. And she has all this. That's a whole aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. And like old timey vegan, like that's a look. Um, actually, Cynthia just tried out one of your recipes. Oh, yeah, I did the uh, I did the um, Samoa Joe cupcakes. Oh, those are complicated. <laughs> How did that go? They are. <laughs> they um, it was it was interesting. I was really um, excited because the grocery store that was close to my house had everything that I needed. And uh, yeah, it was uh, I was sweating in the kitchen. Yeah, I've I've been accused of fussiness with some of those <laughs> recipes and I don't disagree, but in my defense, the book is almost eight years old. And mm -hmm. eight years ago, you know, making a lot, making things was more complicated than it is now. Right. I feel like if I went back and I modernized the book, it would, it would be like assembly instructions and not really recipes. It would be like, mm -hmm. buy this, buy this and buy this, and then put them together because you can buy all these things. Whereas like, you know, and, and like the techniques and you know, making, making mayo out of soft tofu. It's like, it's now it's like what I felt like when I read like vegetarian cookbooks from the seventies. And mm -hmm. I was just like, make your own soy milk. <laughs> <laughs> That's step one. <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that one is particularly fussy, but I'm, I'm glad that you were able to make it through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, my husband's like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm going to make it. <laughs> and were you familiar with Samoa Joe before you made yes. that? Yeah. That helps, I feel like. It does. It motivates you. <laughs> it does. That was the whole reason why you did it, Cynthia. Yeah, I am a, I am a, an old school wrestling fan. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Well, then you probably found a few, a few little Easter eggs in the book that yes, hopefully absolutely. delighted you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I've, I've owned your book even prior to uh, Kirsten telling me that you guys were friends. Well, thank so, you. Yeah, <laughs> I've been a fan for a while. She was over at the house one time and I like took out your book. I'm like, heard of her? So I was like, so, <laughs> I feel so honored <laughs> to have your book. <laughs> I'm like we talk sometimes, no big deal. It's <laughs> like, no big deal, huh? Mm. It's, it's really funny. Um, there's not a lot of crossover between vegans and wrestling fans. Like right. there is some, but it's not a huge crossover. And so like, I would say the majority of people who, who own my book don't actually know who any of those people are. And they're just reading like <laughs> honky tonk man, French toast and like, it, like a long intro to a recipe about how I want to cook for hillbilly gym. And they're just like, what is this? <laughs> 
What is she talking about? <laughs> Not this one. This was uh, that was that was my introduction to your book. So <laughs> I was delighted. Uh, I knew I wrote it for somebody. I'm just <laughs> really glad to hear it was you. Dedicated to Cynthia, who I won't meet for seven years. My target demo right here. We found each other. <laughs> and then CM Punk does a forward. Yes. Of it too. And I think CM Punk is the whole reason why Cynthia started watching wrestling again. Yeah. That's true. He, he definitely made it interesting again. Yeah, I watched when I was a kid and then I was just like not interested at all, like nothing. And then a friend of mine was like, you got to come over. This guy just did a thing. He just sat down and did a thing. Oh, you got to see the it. pipe bomb. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, man. I don't think I want to see the thing. And he's like, you want to see, see it? the thing? <laughs> I saw the thing. That was such an incredible moment because I was working a job I hated for a horrible, horrible man as my boss mm -hmm. and watching one of my oldest and best friends publicly call his boss and entire industry out that way was mm -hmm. so gratifying. Like I just lived through him in that moment. And then, right. you know, for that to be what propelled his career is incredible too. Like <laughs> just sitting down on the ground and being like, this sucks, you suck. You're all stupid. Everyone in the audience is stupid. The Rock sucks. Yeah. Vince McMahon sucks. <laughs> like that should have been it. Like that was right. That's like how it you was would think recorded. that would be the career killer. Yeah, it was yeah. just like oh, CM Punk commits career suicide, and then it was just like, <laughs> just kidding. Like now he's the biggest star in the industry. So yeah. sometimes you got to yeah. be mean to get someone to like you, right? That's the thing. Right. Yeah. You got to find your audience of people who like mean people. Yeah. It was, I mean, because I, you know, I don't know if, if you're uh, familiar with like his early days in WWE, but he, he, um, I think his first appearance was actually back when John Cena was like a gangster, like a, okay, like a old Chicago, like an Al Capone style gangster. Tiny gangster. <laughs> oh my God. And, Phil, they, he would come to the ring with a bunch of guys holding machine guns, and Phil was one of those guys. <laughs> that was like his first appearance oh on the WWE. So funny. And then, um, you know, and then Vince McMahon kind of learned more about what straight edge meant and mm -hmm. saw the potential in a in that being like a cult leader crazy because he thought that was like something that a crazy person would do like right, right. To drugs on purpose. <laughs> and, um, what a concept <laughs> for Vince. and so like that's where like the straight edge jesus era of phil's right Spear that's came hilarious like shaving yeah. people's heads and like indoctrinating <laughs> them into straight edge and had like really long hair yeah but what's weird too is that i'm um i've there was a period where I wasn't watching wrestling and it was probably around that time. And I am a makeup artist. So I was uh, actually doing makeup for the WWE sometimes for their promotional like posters oh, and things like that. Okay. So I was the only artist on the team who actually knew who everybody was. So that was a really funny moment. And I think that was the time that I didn't know who CM Punk was. Yeah. And I believe that I've actually worked with him at some point <laughs> for some of the promo stuff. Was that the time that you met Rey Mysterio Jr.? Yeah, and he loved dogs, and we were talking about dogs, and he's my height, so we're like, I'm like, my butt. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
and I was wearing like some sort of metal shirt and like Chris Jericho was like oh you're my favorite makeup oh, artist Chris Jericho. thanks dude <laughs> <laughs> um but the funny I mean if I'm going to go into a funny story about working with wrestlers I was working in their um some one of their offices in uh Connecticut or upstate New York or wherever we were and it was dark and they were filming something and I'm like kind of walking backwards like trying to walk away from set and I'm only five feet tall and I'm walking like creeping backwards and I sort of run into something and I turn around and I had a the biggest fight or flight response that I've ever had in my life because I ran into the big show oh. <laughs> like I just kept looking up and up <laughs> and thinking that I need to run I just need to run yeah oh my gosh <laughs> it was so instinctual like such a like you need to run away yeah you're in trouble you're just like you're looking up for like five straight minutes and you still haven't seen <laughs> I'm like, this is not okay. Something bad's gonna happen. It's like a cartoon cliche too. I've I've never met him. I've always heard that he was really nice, but I don't know how he reacted to you running into him. But. He was so nice. Like I've had, I didn't, there was only one or one person that had a bad experience working with them. The rest of them were just so unbelievably nice. Yeah. Especially to the small little makeup lady. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They're... Their schedule is wild. I, mm -hmm. you know, they work almost every day of the year and, yeah. you know, they're very insulated. Like they're, you mm -hmm. know, they only travel with each other and it's a, it's a, it's a really weird life. And, um, once, once Phil wrote my forward and, and, you know, a lot of the wrestling blogs and stuff started picking it up that like CM Punk writes forward to a vegan cookbook and like you know people started seeking me out and um there was a a period of time where I would get followed because I was one of his friends and then quickly like yelled at and or unfollowed because of who I am as a person and how that didn't really <laughs> fit in with like what wrestling fans wanted out of somebody oh, but man. Uh, it's been cool though because there are a lot of people that that found me through him and ended up you know you know being vegan or at least like trying new things mm. and there's a there's a woman in Chicago who has a, a really great gluten-free and vegan bakery and that's how she she was a wrestling fan followed Paul wow heard like saw him post my book started following me started baking she wasn't baking before this wow that's impressive Real, like found out that she had a you know a sensitivity to wheat so started trying to do vegan and gluten-free ended up being incredible at it has a really great business in Chicago called mindful baking that I love and I buy things from all the time because I'm gluten full, but like, if it's delicious, then I don't care. What, then it's delicious, I don't care. Yeah. And like her, the things she makes are truly delicious. And it's just, it's like, it's really funny to look at her, her business and think this is because she likes wrestling. <laughs> like, <it's awesome. laughs> I love that story. That's such a good story. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. But you also did the um, Sugar Slam too, right? Yeah. That's such a cool concept. Yeah, I did. I did sugar. Well, this is in, you know, in kind of the height of this, like, crossover between, you know, Punk wrote my forward. He did this pipe bomb thing. He's all anybody's talking about. Then, and it's kind of like, for me personally, too, 
it's, it was a perfect time to do what I was doing. Like people were like, what even is veganism? Like I got to be the person that explained it to a lot of like morning news programs and things like that. And, um, you know, and then he did his, uh, his like WWE did the biography DVD on him and I was interviewed Mm -hmm. in that. And so there were like a lot Mm -hmm. of people paying attention to what both of us were doing, mostly him. And fully admittedly, mostly him. It was seemed like a good time to like combine them all into something fun. So Sugar Slam, the first Sugar Slam, I just kind of, I I didn't really think many people would enter. I thought it would be fun to see, you know, what what people come up with. And it it didn't get very many entries. I think it got less than 20. Um, Mm -hmm. But then the next year, it was like, I got hundreds hundreds of entries wow and I realized I had to start making more rules because I was getting like you know people were submitting like uh like UFC things or like Hmm. they would make a pound cake and then just shove action figures in and be like here you go (laughs) you know here's my roddy you know my rowdy roddy pound cake and I'm like Wow, that's I was gonna say that's the story of how God made me. Of last <laughs> yeah, every, well. so every time we would do, um, you know, different, I'd have like celebrity judges, and um, that was really fun. I had one of my favorites was Beth Phoenix, who is yeah. is wrestling again. She took a little break because she had some babies and um, was doing other stuff, but that was really really cool because I think Beth Phoenix is pretty incredible um Mm -hmm. one of the coolest things I've ever heard came out of her mouth she was telling me that um she I think we were just talking about like her how muscular she is because she's like she's Mm -hmm. really strong and she's built like a superhero and how like people don't like that and they say nasty things to her and she was like you know I'll never be on the cover of Vogue magazine, but none of those models will ever throw a man over the top rope during the Royal Rumble. So <laughs> good with that. And like, cause she did that. Like she was the yeah. second woman to ever do that. China was the first, um, oh, but yeah, like she's, she's pretty awesome. Like she's pretty incredible. So she was a judge. I had like this guy, Mike Edison, who, um, who used to be an editor when it was WWF magazine. And he was the first person to carry over like the whole like heel and babyface persona into the editing room because the magazine treated WWF very much like a baseball magazine would treat baseball or a football magazine would treat football. And it was like very like straightforward reporting. Like then the Iron Sheik did this. Then, you know, then Andre the Giant did this. And it was like very straight reporting. And Mike Edison was like, no, I'm going to be the bad, I'm going to be a bad guy. Like I'm going to be a heel editor and I'm going to write all my articles very biased, like, you know, calling Hulk Hogan, like a no good low life or whatever. And he was the first person to do that. So like, he was one. And like, I got so to funny. pick really fun, like geeky people to be the judges. And yeah. And you had a belt as well, right? Yeah. I had a belt. I had a real belt from uh, mm-hmm. high spots, which is a company that sells a lot of like rare wrestling DVDs and you can get replica belts. So they made a sugar Sam belt that had like a big piece of cake on it and um, lots of prizes. And it was really, 
it was really fun. And then it got to a point where more people were mad about it than happy. It felt like where there were like a lot more people like complaining about how, how things were judged or complaining about, you know, like the rules or accusing the judges of being biased or like accusing me. I wasn't a judge, but like, you know, one year somebody I knew personally won because her entry was the best, but like, I didn't pick her, but then there were people like, you know, like this is on, and I'm just like, you guys know that I am producing an online wrestling themed baking competition (laughs) with $0 entry fee for free that takes all of the time I have. Like, I don't hang out with my family because I'm loading image galleries and like tallying points and things gathering prizes to give you and you're all yelling at me and it just got, it just got you but but your ulterior motives all the money and everything you got out of it yeah <laughs> all I, those covers of vogue you got. Yeah, yeah right like all the yeah all the press and just you know this mansion like this is all paid <laughs> for by sugar slam sugar slam money <laughs> One thing I did get actually was um, is right behind me. Somebody sent me their their childhood collection of wrestling cards. Oh Aww. my god, that's amazing! And it, and like you won't be able to see it, but in the in the inside cover, maybe you can see it. They drew the Chicago Bulls logo. Yeah, yep. and it's just Aww. it's just their childhood wrestling card collection that they gifted so to me. Good. And I, it's very precious. So. That's a good gift. I actually uh, realized that I wasn't quite straight by watching the Nitro Girls on WCW. <laughs> so, like, I wasn't really interested I in, the, in the wrestling so much. And my, and my brother was like, why do you like this so much? And I was like, mm. like <laughs> when are they going on? <laughs> but I think the only, the only men that I had crushes on, well, for the WCW, it was Sting. Oh yeah, pro. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, Christian, no, not Christian. Um, the Edge. Oh okay. From WWF, and then, but I think the most formative um, childhood experience for me was, well, like my Sigmund Freud, like Freudian moment was when the Undertaker captured Stephanie McMahon and then married her, right, and then crucified her. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I do remember being a kid and, um, and you know, I hadn't become jaded yet. And, you know, just believing all this, all, everybody's gimmick, like thinking that, you know, Erwin R. Scheister was working for the IRS but then also wrestling when he had time. <laughs> I mean. I remember when The Undertaker first kind of came on the scene and being really scared of him and Paul Bearer and, there was a match where it was like a casket match and so maybe the ultimate warrior got put in a casket and buried and I cried oh. and I cried because I loved the ultimate warrior and I didn't want him to die. And Paul Paul Bearer was like a character out of a John Waters film. Yes. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. That's I I mean to me like that's that probably is how I ended up being a John Waters fan and being obsessed with like Pee Wee Herman and you know a lot of that stuff was shaped by like the sheer like just wackiness and kitsch of like 80s 
wrestling like so the, campy just yeah yeah I heard that um because I haven't watched it in a while now but a friend of mine does and there is a a wrestler a female wrestler who I think her character is a dentist also in the spirit mm. of uh uh Ivan Yankum I think that was the dentist <laughs> in the 80s something yankum and yeah, um, that sounds right but she really is a dentist and they were so excited to tell me this because i've i've always talked about like these gimmicks and how i thought they were real and apparently she really is a dentist and she only recently stopped practicing because she's wrestling full-time i love wow. that like, good, <laughs> good for you girl <laughs> how fun I kind of want to ask um, you what your top three favorite wrestlers are. I have to start with my number one, which is Roddy Piper. Yeah. The greatest in every way. The, he was the best on the mic. He was fun to watch in the ring. And he goes down in history as like one of the most like vaguely late 70s, early 80s men. Yes, definitely. There he is. Roddy Piper, rest in peace. Um, I was obsessed with Bret Hart as a oh. child. Mm -hmm. I wrote a letter every single month to WWF Magazine demanding that he get more covers. <laughs> Wanted him on every cover, like Oprah. Um, <laughs> and... I don't know who's number three. None of these, by the way, are technical. Like if there's any actual like wrestling nerds that are like end up listening, there's they're gonna be real wound up about like who's technically the best wrestler. I that's not what I'm my basis is purely on like my emotional attachment to them as humans. <laughs> my favorite my favorite people are the worst of people, actually. Like but who? Friend friend wise anyway. It's not like Oh I okay. can't <laughs> I think that there's no correlation between being favorite and the best. Um, I don't know who would get the number three spot. There's, I mean, I probably would have to say that Punk's one of my favorites just because even if he wasn't my friend and if I didn't know every time I watched him and heard him talk, like, this is real. He's, this is how he feels. He's not like, he might be moving the storyline along, but he's always just genuinely him. And just like all the things that come out of his mouth are him to the core. So I love that because that's really what I I think I enjoyed the most about wrestling was like all the like the actual action of it. It's all kind of the same, you know, mm -hmm. like, you yeah. know, it's like once you've seen somebody jump off a top rope or, you know, pick somebody up and throw them on the ground. It's like, eh, is there anything new? But mostly it's just like. Who says funny things? Who says crazy things? Whose storyline is ridiculous? And yeah, I mean, I, th I feel like that's what I was into with the wrestling too. Was the pageantry? It was almost like, gosh, when I talk to people who don't watch wrestling, I'm like, it's cool. You don't. I don't really right now either. But when I did, it was sort of like the pageantry of drag. Drag. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, look at look at Ric Flair. Like the like the whole yes. and, like, ridiculousness of soap operas and like yes. it's just all around like just nuts. And um, and once in a while you get a gem, um, and you know I mean like with CM Punk it was like I, he looked like the people around me, which never happened right. on on wrestling either. So I was like, what is going on here? Which was great. You could like see yourself, not myself personally, but the people around me 
in in wrestling and that was fun right but, um, like oh there's a guy with an op ivy tattoo in the ring like i never thought exactly. i would see the day <laughs> exactly <laughs> rick flair is a drag queen i'm so glad that you oh, brought that up 100 <laughs> percent, 100 and like i mean that with the utmost respect yeah <laughs> you know? i'll have to send you um i'll have to send you some clips i have i went to a wrestling themed burlesque show Ooh. It was incredible. Red Trumpet Theater in Chicago puts on just like these, the quality of their production is just amazing. And it was a wrestling themed burlesque show. Every single act was incredible. But the finale was a Roddy Piper act that mm. had a big, uh, big They Live reveal at the end. Yes. Um, Very nice. But yeah, it was like, I'll, I'll have to send you some of the video I have of it. Cause yeah, it was like, please do. Com it really did combine. Like I love Jack. I love wrestling. Like I, you know, like I'll, those worlds they connect. Yeah. They really do. <laughs> they really do. I was going to ask you what your favorite word is. All right. This is going to be real Midwestern. Are you guys ready? <laughs> Probably G's. I say G's also. G's. Oh, G's. I thought you were going to say ranch. <laughs> or ope. ope ope yeah i mean i don't i don't i say ope because i'll hear myself say it and go god we really do say ope but um yep but jesus is like i think a big i feel like jesus is a big part of my personality <laughs> like people oh, it's like um it's in, if anybody ever does like an impression of you or like you know even a bad one where they feel like they make your voice sound nothing like you or like they pick up on any nuances when people have done that to me ogs oh has been usually a part of it so i think it's my favorite and most used word it's a good, it's a good one. one i feel like we all use that i think that's that's the one thing that i've retained from the midwest <laughs> i was in um i there was a trade show in paris and we were on the train on the way there and it was, it was just so packed like you couldn't move a muscle and uh, a lady got on and saw how crowded it was and she went, ooh la la. And I like looked at my coworker and I was so <laughs> thrilled that somebody said, ooh la la. I was like, they say that. She was like, yeah, they, I guess so. And then we got to the show and we were walking the hall and somebody's booth, like a big sign just fell right in front of us. And I, I said, oh geez. And she was, she was like somewhere a French person is delighted that you just yeah they're pointing at you <laughs> you just said that it's like a vampire going blah 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 exactly, exactly. like they did it exactly yeah <laughs> so I don't know if I've if I've ever delighted a French person in my life but if I did I hope it was with OGs <laughs> Um, and then oh, our, our last question was going to be, what is your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food is spaghetti. It's simple. It's always good. It can be real cheap if you need it to be. And, uh, and my grandma makes the world's greatest spaghetti. So my favorite favorite food is my grandma's spaghetti. But if you don't have access to Sharon Magajo, in the villages, Florida. 
Oh, is your grandma in the villages? Hell yeah, she is. My in-laws are in the villages because they're they retired from New York. Old. You better go have your in-laws shake her down. <laughs> yeah, they need it. They can they can actually do because uh, my my mother-in-law makes the the greatest bolognese. So oh. like they can they can get together and they can, yeah. they can share. <laughs> maybe they well maybe they know each other. My grandpa was a little bit more social. He was in in the local Democrat club, the Dunkin' Donuts Democratic dudes. They met up every Sunday. What? Adorable. It was pretty cute. Um, my my grandma's a little bit more of a homebody, but yeah. Yeah, the villages. It's like um, weird Disneyland for old people where everything yeah. has a facade to make yeah. it look like it's old timey, but then it's like, oh, it's just a grocery store. Or it's like a Talbot's or like whatever. Yeah. My in-laws refer to it as the bubble. They live in the bubble. Yeah. Cause you can drive a golf cart everywhere. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They absolutely do. It sounds like the Truman show. Yeah. A little bit. It is kind of like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really strange place. We used to go, we were going every Christmas this year, I think, you know, obviously like, we're not. but my grandma told me, that she would, she might go to St. Louis to see some of our other family, but that if I wanted to come stay at her house, you know, feel free. And I was Aww. like, if I want to, if I want to go to the villages by myself for Christmas without, you without there, her, <laughs> just live it up. Go to Talbot's. <laughs> Live your golden girl yeah, dream. Like drive the golf cart around. Eat at Perkins. Like I could yeah. do, you know, do all those things. <laughs> Perkins was a was a big high school hangout for me. They used to call the country kitchen the cunt. <laughs> so the cunt. Yes. <laughs> we we had a similar name for old country buffet. That's what my that's what my uh, kids call me, the old cunt. <laughs> <laughs> what does that old cunt want? That's that old cunt making me something to eat. <laughs> oh god. I can only imagine the shade of red my son would turn if I were to even even say cunt in front of him. Say the word. <laughs> My kids cuss so freely that it's almost jarring to be around um, people I can't cuss yeah. around. Yeah, mine does too. He, I, I can't believe he's never gotten in trouble. I can't believe that he knows where to do it and where not to do it. Because I didn't even bother to teach that to him. He just like figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even do it now. I, I swear so much, even around my parents and everyone's just completely numb to it. I'm like, you know what? You guys can adjust. Yeah. What was really fun for me was sometimes I'll just, I used to, a long time ago, I used to work uh, at a elementary school here when I was really young, like right out of high school. So sometimes I'll switch words up for other words, not often. But one of the ones I do was actually from Mr. Show is I'll say, instead of saying motherfucker, I'll say mother, father, Chinese dentist. And hearing, <laughs> hearing my son say that, oh, that was a moment. <laughs> that was a, that was a lot of pride. That's a good one. When the kids, when the kids are super little, I would tell them that they could only say these words at home. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it was Riot was at a, a park one day. And there were some just asshole kids there. And they turned to me and they're like, so many home words. <laughs> so That's good. Really funny. <laughs> uh, little kids swearing yeah. is the greatest. <laughs> it's so fun. 
it, it sucks because there's a lot of things that kids do that aren't necessarily good, but they're hilarious. So I will laugh at them. <laughs> like, that's fair. Should I be mad? I mean, I feel like the rule in my house is if it's funny, it flies. Like, you know what I, mean? like if it's, I can't fault you for that. That was funny. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a girl. Oh, work on your timing, kid. <laughs> oh. Well. Thank you so much, yeah. Natalie. This was so much fun. Thank you, too. Yeah, this is great. Do you want to let our listeners know where uh, where they can find you? Sure, yeah. And not necessarily in person. We don't want stalkers, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't give you my address, but... Um... <laughs> yeah. On, uh, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Bacon Destroy, and uh, I'm a lot more active on Twitter these days than I ever was before. I've got a lot to complain about, but... Um, <laughs> the place to do it. That's the place to do it. We did it. Mm, did we? Kind of. I mean, we didn't have a natural ending to that interview, did we? We talked a lot. It went on forever. She's such a fucking delight. What a fucking delight. Thank Natalie. you so much, Natalie. Fucking Slater. And a very special thanks to Fatty Cakes and the Puff Pastries for our amazing theme song you can check them out at fatty cakes on instagram fatty cakes and the puff pastries on youtube Bandcamp, and facebook and check out our website massoftheobvious.com for news and merch and if you like our merch our logo was made by Lottie Gun Tank, and you can find them at Little Gun Tank on Instagram. So, a very special thanks to them as well. You can also find us on Instagram, boo, 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 Masters of the Obvious, Facebook at Masters of the Obvious, and Twitter is Masters of the O. Please. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you are listening on. Oh my garbage can. Thank you for listening, and we love you, like, a lot. You're pretty cute, and we like your hair. Bye.